What's up, guys, and welcome to the Toby Agency Podcast Network. We just launched our third show called Entrepreneurship Sucks, hosted by Andrew Hong, CEO of Toby Agency. If you've ever wondered what the not-so-obvious personal challenges of being an entrepreneur are, you should definitely check out this insightful podcast. You can also listen to new episodes every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. For more information and content like this, head over to tobyagency.co slash podcast. Here's that dirty secret, right? We always think that we're smarter than our clients, right? And that we know more. Well, we don't. You know, I, I, I had to learn that a, lo- a long time ago, that they actually know their business. And, you know, they know what their pain points are. It's up to us to listen to that, to listen to what their needs are, and then to be able to start crafting solutions. In order to do that, we have to sit with them. We have to have conversation with them. We have to get on the same page and the same team with them. That's Chris Thomas, Creative Director of Cone Marketing. On this episode, we sit down and talk to Chris about what it looks like to create a brand, how to differentiate good versus bad design, what the biggest difficulties of merging creative and marketing are, and what does it look like to be a creative director for a marketing agency. This is Lights, Camera, Grow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. My name is Jared, and on today's podcast, we have Chris Thomas. Chris Thomas is the creative director for Cone Marketing uh, out in Denver, and he was so lucky, I should say we're so lucky, to have him on as a guest today. Chris, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And I do feel lucky to be on today. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you guys today. Yeah, thank you so much for taking out time out of your busy day. As myself being a creative director, I know that meetings last minute are usually happening at all times. So uh, we were fortunate enough to get you on for a few minutes here to chat uh, all things marketing, all things creative. So thanks. Um, so let me give the audience a little background about Chris. So Chris was an artist for about, I think, 13 years, if I'm not mistaken. And for the last 16 years, he spent uh, his career being a creative director, which we're going to dive into in just a second. But he's worked on some awesome projects for companies like Frontier, Craft Foods, Scott Sports, just to name a few. Self-proclaimed great dancer. So we definitely got to probably dive into that a little bit. Um any specific dance moves that you're uh, you want to show off to the audience? We are on video. Where did you even get that from? I have no <laughs> idea. Is that on, is that we, on some uh, LinkedIn profile? I would have to change that. I think we have uh, we have a pretty extensive uh, background research team that we uh, we use for our guests here uh, before we kick off. But real quick, Chris, just give the audience um, a little bit of more background about yourself, but also tell the audience what uh, Cone Marketing is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys uh, got it pretty close. I, I have been uh, uh, part of the uh, slam bang action packed world of graphic design and advertising for well since about 1990. So that uh, dates me a little bit. But uh, yeah, I've worked in a in a number of different industries uh, for a number of different com- uh, companies, and I landed at Cone about eight and a half years ago. Um, I've always wanted to, or I've always strived to work with people who are smarter than I am, which is not hard to do, um, <laughs> who challenge me and who help me grow and who in turn help me be the best that I can be for, for our clients and for you know, the, the people that I work with. So, so when I met with Jeff Cohn, uh, it, was, it was pretty much an easy decision to, to go that route with Cohn. So we are a full service branding agency, um, kind of a soup to nuts type of thing. We, we start from a strategic foundation 
uh, working with our clients, you know, when we can, not everybody uh, needs the full soup to nuts and we can do that as well. But we like to start at the, the, the root foundational level with them, um, helping to craft their brand, their brand voice, their brand story, you know, so that we can then help them grow in their market space. Um, and we work with mostly these days, we work with like real estate, healthcare, a lot of B2B, it's kind of interesting. A lot of times people would say, well, that's not very sexy, right? But, but we really strive to bring out the sexy in what our clients do. And I think we do a great job with that. And, uh, you know, everything that we do, every touch point, we say every interaction matters. That's, our, that's kind of our TM kind of thing. And we truly believe that with brand. You know, obviously, like you guys know, it's not a logo. That's not your brand. It's every piece of of content. It's every piece of collateral. Uh, that's actually a really good foundation. So a lot of the points that you just uh, pointed out there, things that we talk about all the time, obviously uh, we're doing the same thing. We work with a lot of B2B clients. One of the things we always tell them is just because you're a B2B client doesn't mean you can't be sexy. Um, <laughs> and in fact, one of our services is doing a podcast. So we actually help uh, B2B companies brand and build a podcast. And a lot of times they're like, oh, well, we're not sexy enough or we don't have anything to say uh, to, to be on, on a podcast because they think automatically like Joe Rogan, right? Or any other celebrity podcast. Um, but yeah, so a lot of the things that you point out resonate really well with uh, our audience and, and us here as well. So that's awesome. Um, one question that I just have to get out of the way. What's your favorite dance? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not going to be able to drop that. No, no. I, so I get asked this question all the time. Um working with a ton of creative directors on more of the uh, ad agency side in my former career, um, a lot of them ask, okay, so what is a creative director in a marketing agency? Because it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Um, but I love to hear from your perspective when you get asked that question. Well, that, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, for me, a creative director, no matter what part of the business you're working in, whether it's in-house or agency side ad advertising or marketing, a creative director needs to be able to, you know, take the 30,000 foot holistic view of the brand that you're working with and be able to craft creative and, and working with a team to craft creative. Obviously we don't do it all right. We've got amazing people that, that we work with um, to be able to craft stories um, that resonate with our audiences to be able to craft creative that is outstanding visually and that when we can pushes the boundaries a little bit for our clients. I think that that's one of our main jobs is to be able to, to, to question and to try to, to, to push, like I say, the boundaries. I think that when you're working in a marketing firm and, and specifically with ours, we do, we do work from a strategic foundational level. So I'm at the very beginning of that process, you know, even from the new business pitch on. Um, and so for me, I never really worked at a ad agency, quote unquote. So I guess I can't really say that world uh, or can't speak to that world. But, you know, for me, I have to be so aligned with the, the client's strategic focus and then our internal team and how we're moving forward with that. And so I think from a creative director standpoint, I just need to be an advocate for our client, an advocate for their users, um, and just always be thinking about, you know, how we can best position them. 
that's, that's a long-winded answer. I, I watch Jared a lot. And as a creative director, you know, every creative is so different, right? Creative mind is very unique. So from, from what you do, from marketing standpoint, right? Because uh, that's always has to be in the back of your mind, which annoys Jared a lot of times because he's like, I want to have fun. Like, I want to make it sexy and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's those boundaries, man. right? Uh, wh- where do you like to start? Like, um, can you can you walk us through that thought process of like, where do you start? How do you get, you know, to the goal that you're trying to achieve? Um, well, I will tell you that for me, the, the starting point is listening. Um, you know, I think it's easy to have something already pre-crafted in your mind mm. and then just, you know, here's that dirty secret, right? We always think that we're smarter than our clients, right? <laughs> and that we know more. Well, we don't. You know, I, 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 I had to learn that a, lo- a long time ago that they actually know their business and, you know, they know what their pain points are. It's up to us to listen to that to listen to what their needs are, and then to be able to start crafting solutions. And so that's, that's number one for me. Um, our kind of uh, main brand strategist and writer, CJ, he always says that we need to become part of their tribe. And in order to do that, we have to sit with them. We have to have conversation with them. We have to get on the same page and the same team with them. So that's where the kind of key uh, starting point is for me, always. And then from there, um, let me talk a little bit about our process. Maybe that'll yeah, yeah, please. So, so, you know, for us, once we, once we start working with a client, we like to have, you know, these, these kind of kickoff sessions and discussions, discovery sessions from that, we work through what we call USPs, right? Unique selling propositions, brand voice, et cetera. And as that's being worked on from the written side, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer by trade. So I'm not much of a copywriter. I can do it, but it takes me a long time. It's like, you and me, brother, same, yeah. same yeah. boat. I'm, yeah, I'm a visual guy, man. I am so in awe of people who can write good copy. It blows my mind, right? right? <laughs> Such a talent. Anyway, so, and that's what CJ is. So as he's crafting that along with our account team, we're starting to think about, okay, what, what's the creative expression for this? How do we differentiate these folks? That's the other thing about Cohen. There, there's nothing cookie cutter. I would, I would need to just retire if, if that's what we started to do or, or move on to something else, I guess. But because, because everybody's got their own personality, their own look and feel that we need to define. So we, we go through that process with the creative team. I have a wonderful creative team um, who supports me. Um, and we have a really good back and forth collaborative um, kind of mix and thought process as we're moving into that. So the goal, I guess, is to say, is, is to not say, oh, well, l- let's look at pin- Pinterest and regurgitate what's going on. Mm. You know, that's bogus, man. So it's always about coming up with something that's authentic and true to the brand. And I think that we've done that in spades, you know, throughout the years. And um, I, I, I and the other creative director, we actually have another creative director, Jesse, on staff. We kind of both work on separate, you know, clients. But he and I are always trying to push the envelope. We always want to do something different. We always are looking at new technologies or or new, you know, ways of pushing content like podcasts. I mean, hell, I'm really interested in podcasts now. But anyway, so it's just trying to come up with both a visual that's that's really different, that ties to the creative strategy. And then how can we how can we push that live? How can we push that out? What are what are the mediums? So always looking for new stuff. The interesting thing that I think we always battle is like sort of extracting that out of the client. Sometimes, you know, 
like you said, they know their business better than anybody, right? And rightfully they should, but sometimes you have to really push to extract it. And I think um, having, you know, the writing element sometimes makes that a little easier uh, to, to sort of start to define that. So that's, that's interesting that you guys start from the writing standpoint. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to you have to craft a story somehow, right? And right. if you're working in a vacuum, it's really tough because it could just be anything. I do I love, you know, like completely open borders? Yeah, but it is nice to have something kind of defined that you can move forward with because obviously if they're nodding their heads to the strategy, to the written part, then they should be nodding their heads to the creative part, right? Um yeah. because it all kind of intertwines and ties in together. So we found that to be, you know, kind of the, the best proven process for us. And I, and I will say too, like, uh, you know, our account team generally leads the discovery sessions and they've got just these remarkable questions that they've already crafted. They do their research, they do their homework. So when we get into those meetings, Jared, um, if we're not getting those answers, I'd be surprised because we just keep digging. Right. Yeah. And, and I love it because a lot of times even the client gets surprised by the answers. You know, because yeah. you have a bunch of different stakeholders in the room yep. and they may agree or not disagree. And that's really interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah. I tell you that the toughest part, no, that's not true. One of the one of the toughest parts about this whole COVID situation that we're in is not being able to be in a room with mm. clients yeah. as we're doing these kickoff sessions because you room. don't get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you just don't get that that feeling of personality and that back and forth and that that interplay of vibes and personality. So we're doing our best. You know, we're, we're making it work, but uh, I can't wait till we can get back in a room where we're all together. And um, So I did notice on on the Cone website that there's a video portion. So it looks like you guys also focus on some video uh, content as well. So dive into your, do you work on that? I know you mentioned that you're graphic design by trade, but do you, do you help craft any of the, the video side stories as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, I mean, video is such a great leading form of content. Um, it's what it's got some of the highest click through rates. It's one of the best ways to tell your story, right. Um, in a succinct manner. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I, I get stoked anytime we can, we can do video. I, I really feel like, you know, I'll pat myself on the back here. I was able to help bring, <laughs> bring a little bit more of our, of our video production, uh, to cone over the years. And we, we do some stuff internally, you know, more simple stuff like 2D animation, editing, that kind of stuff. Anything else, we we outsource. And we've got great partners, um, a lot local, some national that we partner with, you know, depending on the need. Um, but yeah, like, I love crafting stories, okay? That's what this is all about. It's, it's all about crafting stories and, uh, and communicating those stories in an in a engaging way. And so there's so many different ways to do that with video. I just get really excited about that process. So yeah, you know, I mean, for us, it's like a lot of times it's just, just put a, you know, get to the whiteboard and just start sketching stuff out from a storyboarding uh, standpoint, yep. but nothing excites me more than, than picking up the phone or, or getting into a room with, uh, with our production team and really saying, all right, how can we, how can we bring this to life? It, how can we energize this brand? And, um, you know, it's just that interplay. It's that back and forth of ideas and brainstorming on that stuff. That's just totally. kicking yeah, I get that. Um, just kind of to piggyback off that, like, um, what have you seen recently in terms of it's something that you could have created or like something you saw on YouTube? Who knows, really? Right. But what have you seen recently that it's like, oh, I love that, you know, kind of had that invoking that um, excitement inside of you? 
So there's uh, so so San Diego Tourism Board um, just recently did a, a series, and I can't remember the exact name. It's it's uh, Moments Actually, of Bliss. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Moments of Bliss. And uh, what I love about that is that they are not asking you to think. It's like it's just happiness happiness within our box here to watch, right? And I feel like that is so well done at the right time. It engages me as a viewer. It makes me laugh. It makes me think. Well, not really think because they want me to do that. But it, it makes me it makes me laugh. It, it just gives me that moment of pause and, and a, just a nice break in the day. And I think they've done a hell of a job with that. And it really is on brand. You know, I, I feel like it's those kinds of ideas that are more in the moment that people have pivoted with. God, there's that word pivoted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I, I, I'm tired of saying it, too. In these unprecedented times, we've pivoted. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's that kind of stuff that that it shouldn't have to, some things don't have to be overly produced, right? You can, you can do it quickly and succinctly and, and boy, oh boy, it just gets the message across. So I really like that. I mean, I think that's great. Yeah, it's interesting. So the last point you just made doesn't have to be overly, overly produced and just gets to the point at the moment. Um, that's how we feel about podcasting because it's such a great format for that, right? It doesn't have to be super crazy. It doesn't need to be professional. In fact, a lot of times the less professional it is, the more authentic it is, the more people are actually going to engage with it. So that's, that's how we feel, uh, why this medium and format is such a a great way to like express ourselves for our clients, you know, and and so on. Um, so that, that's an interesting point that you put out there. And obviously if you can add the video component, then you can see the, the, the eye to eye contact. I, I love that you guys are doing this. I I'd like to ask you guys some questions. Is that okay? Sure. Or is this all about me? No, 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 man. This is, this actually makes it more interesting. <laughs> a lot of times we, we only go one way. So, yeah. well, talk to me a little bit about how you guys got to the podcast space. Like how did you, did you first determine you were going to try this for your agency and then you were going to, you know, like as a test test capsule and then you were going to go to your clients or was it the opposite? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, this is a great question. <laughs> okay, so we started out, my business partner and I, who's actually uh, not here, he's usually on, on the podcast with me. Um, but he and I, when we started the agency, it was just the two of us. We needed content. And we were like, man, okay, we got to produce content. People have no idea who we are. We can't hire anybody because we don't have any clients to pay people <laughs> with money. You know, we're not even collecting money ourselves. So how are we going to do this? And we're like, oh, well, let's try a podcast. Uh, it's easy. We can sit down. We can, at the time we sat down with like on a table like this, similar, but we had one mic between the two of us. Um, and we recorded with really bad audio, but in 30 minutes we knocked out an episode. Um, I was able to edit it and put it online. So we started thinking, we're like, okay, well, this is an interesting format. We can start to get some longer tales out of it. If we think about how do we dissect this longer piece of content? No, one's going to listen for 30 minutes. Most of the time, that's just Unless you're Joe Rogan, right? Or you're really, really interesting. Or you want to see Chris dance, go to our YouTube channel. He's going to dance later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, most people don't listen more than like 15 to 20 minutes in a podcast. Um, The numbers show that. The good thing is you can pick it up. You can listen now while you're walking the dog. And then you can pick it up at the gym. You can pick it up in the car. So there are other opportunities if you are in a longer type of podcast. But we were like, what if we deliver that content in bite-sized versions? So let's take that 30 minutes of audio or so, chop it up, and we can have a whole month's worth of content for our publishing schedule, for social, for our blog, for whatever it is, 
taking these snippets out of that one conversation that we have, similar to what we're going to do here. We're going to talk about something. It's going to be a great hot take. We're going to take it out and we're going to put that all over the internet. So we were like, okay, this is an interesting way to approach this. We can get volume at scale and not put a ton of effort in like we would with like blog writing or uh, even just shooting videos. Videos take a lot of work. You know, we've, we've all been there. We know just getting on camera takes a lot of work. So we started to do that more and more and we started to see a trend like, oh, wow, this is actually working. That's when we were like, okay, maybe this is a service. Maybe we can actually pitch this as a service. And as time has grown on, we figured that we figured out that we can create a ton of content for a client in these seasonal style formats. So eight episodes, 12 episodes, whatever the amount of episodes are, we can fill their entire content calendar for a year out of, you know, 12 episodes. Um, We can release a podcast every month. We can release it you know, bi-monthly, whatever the cadence is, but then we get all that micro content out of the back end that fills their social channels. It always gives them like top of funnel, top of mind type content that they can, they can produce out. So I don't know if that answered your exact question, but that's sim- that's sort of like the, the like long way how we ended up getting into uh, offering it as a service. No, absolutely. And I, and I think it's brilliant by the way. Um, I really do because you know, as you, as you, you were talking about, it, I was thinking about, you know, Keystone content and being able to chip off little pieces of that it is hard to produce. So Kelly Grega, who's our, our content uh, kind of production specialist and social media guru, et cetera, I don't know how she does it because she's constantly finding exciting, interesting new content. Can you hear the crazy dogs? Both, yeah. for us, <laughs> both for us and for our clients. So having something like this, this kind of medium is, is truly ideal. And, um, and I, think it's, I think it's just fantastic you guys are doing this. And, and I listened to you know, a number of the podcasts before I came on just to kind of see what I was getting into. Um, and I was really impressed. I was impressed with the guests that you had. Um, I, I was impressed with the the knowledge and the content they were delivering. Um, I, I didn't check anything out for your specific clients. Right. So that was a little different, but, um, I can only imagine that they're happy with, with what you guys are doing for them. And then when you talk about video, so then do you guys, um, uh, kind of outsource your video stuff or how does that work for you? Yeah, so it works. Uh, we're similar to you. We we actually do produce a lot of video in house. So we have a in house production team. Um, my background, I came from the production and the visual effects world, so I know the pipeline pretty well. So we were able to kind of create a small team internally to to execute small videos. You know, like your normal about us style videos. Um, we have done a lot of video podcasts, so live action in like a studio setting with uh, nice lighting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Multiple camera angles, nice lighting. And we've done podcast interviews like that for for a couple clients. Um, so that's most of the time how we approach local video. Obviously, if we, we have to go out of state or, you know, we have to go national, then we'll, we'll get bigger production teams in. Um, and then obviously, client budget always dictates that, right? How big is your production team based on the budget you have available? Um, but one thing I just want to go back to, uh, just in the podcast format, and this relates back to the beginning of our conversation where we're talking about story. So one of the things we found out was there's no real better way to tell a story than if you're journaling it. Right. And using a podcast is a really great way to journal that story in real time. So for instance, if we have a client that, you know, again, they don't think they're sexy, but they know their, they know their product, they know their, their clients or their, um, you know, their audience better than anybody in the world. Of course, when they talk about it, they're going to talk about it with more passion, more conviction. They're going to get into details that we'd never think of if we were just trying to craft it in a two or three minute video. So over this long tail format, they're able to really dig into those personas deeper for themselves. um, And they can tell their story without even realizing that they're telling their story, which is the best thing. So good. So good. Yeah, I love it. We, so we actually, um, 
you know, I wish I could take credit for this. So I, I, I didn't think of this, but one of our clients, um, we're just starting a podcast for them and it's being, uh, externally produced. Obviously we don't do that in house, but, um, about it, it's about getting around and, and commuting, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but, um, and, and so the cool thing is there's a lot of, of different things about that that are very interesting to their audience. And so I'm really interested to see how that's going to all roll out. You know, that's yeah. kind of our first dipping the toe into it. But client was super excited. And, uh, you know, it's 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 not a huge pull on the budget to do that. And so that's that's another kind of appealing aspect of it. So uh, but I think like to to further your point a little bit, it totally makes sense. Like, um if we pitch to our clients that you need a blog, it's not as fun. Right. Like, and usually it's more of like, oh, we got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. type of thing. Um, but if we pitch like, hey, instead of a blog, why don't you just talk and we'll chop that up and we'll put it on your website and then it becomes a little bit more digestible. And we turn those into blogs. And then you can turn those into blogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so jumping back into i want to talk more about graphic designs i think graphic design actually doesn't get enough uh it doesn't get enough love anymore i started off as a graphic designer myself um i was a dj needed flyers and business cards and that kind of sort so that's how i got into it the cracked version of photoshop and went down that whole realm so that's that was my graphic design stint but from your your point of view like now that things are so accessible I guess you would say everyone's a graphic designer. Everybody feel <laughs> stop. Everybody <laughs> feels like they're a graphic designer. <laughs> things like Canva and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks they're a web designer yeah, too, yeah. right? That's another one. Um, but but just from your standpoint, what is a differentiator in good design and bad design? I always get asked this question, and it's hard to to tell people without like offending them almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, you're right, and and uh, well, you know. The funny thing is, you know good design when you see it. Yeah, anybody, absolutely. Anybody knows good design when they see it. Sometimes they just don't recognize it within their own brands or they don't recognize, um, you know, that, that maybe they need to change a little bit. So, so for me, I'll tell you what, the number one thing about, about design when it's done well is that it communicates, right? That has got to be number one. I love, you know, out there poster design and whatnot. I just for the simple aesthetic of, of graphic design. I love that. Right. Like that's great. But I have to look at it from a standpoint of, is this really going to tell the story that we were trying to tell? And is it going to, is, is there a clear call to action with this? So it's all about visual hierarchy. It's all about, uh, you know, being true to the brand. Now that's kind of the boring stuff, right? Okay. But those are the nuts and bolts. If you don't have that foundation in place, well then screw it. You know, that, that should be tossed out the window. Yeah. Are you using typography and using it? Well, are you using colors and using them well? Are you working within the space and, and compositionally making it work? You know, for, for instance, like I think Adobe Max, of course, Adobe does great stuff. But the Adobe Max stuff was killer because every, every piece that I saw was different, right? Like they, they had the Max, but in, in different iterations, whether yep. it was illustrated or photographic or, you know, graphic or 3D or whatever that's the kind of stuff that really turns me on is when you can say, we're going to bring this to life in different ways and shapes and whatever, but you're always going to recognize that it's Adobe max. Let's just say. Yeah. So anyway, so from a, a graphic design standpoint, I actually started out, um, uh, you know, I did my two year stint at, at art school. That's, that's all that they offered at the time. 
And then I, I started off with uh, working with an illustrator. So um, we were doing um, airbrush and mm -hmm. colored pencil on board and, and pen and ink. And it was all for, you know, it was like really cool, exploded cutaway illustrations of, of equine um, uh, anatomy or of the way a rocket ship works, you know, that kind of stuff. Back in the really like the heyday of illustration back then in the, in the early 90s. And then we got into Photoshop, right? And it was like, oh, we'd scan our pieces in, we'd Photoshop the hell out of them, we'd print them back out, then we'd airbrush them, you know? So it was really cool. Um, and we ended up getting the Harley Davidson account and then, and then he went on to just do that. That's all he does now. But so for me, I was like, well, I love illustration, um, but I'm not a good enough illustrator to make that be my full-time gig. And I had more interest in the wider world of, of design and marketing, right? about more use of typography, about more use of, of space. Um, so then I started working with a couple of different agencies and, and mostly brand agencies and kind of worked my way up, like I said, to Cone, but always having that graphic design focus in mind. Um, and, and the cool thing about graphic design is it's not just obviously the printed piece, it's, it's, it's the video piece, it's the, uh, it's the AR piece. I mean, we just yeah, created- Yeah, no, it's, it's all over. Yeah, dude. And we just created an app uh, for one of our clients, which was the first that I'd ever done. And it, nice. it, it's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long process, but a long learning process. But, you know, then it gets into the UX design. And yeah, all yeah. Stuff. It's a whole different level, right? Whole different level, but really fun to learn about and really fun to iterate on. And I'm really pleased with the project. And it's, and it's really, uh, it's really gone gangbusters for their specific audience. So. That's awesome. Yeah, UX is interesting because it always gives you that insight into the human interaction of it. And you're like, wait a minute, are we really this easy? <laughs> you guys have seen The Social Dilemma, I assume? I, I actually have not yet. I, I'm, I, it's on cue for this weekend, but I have not seen it. Yeah, that's when you really start to get uh, uh, start to think about how easy we are. Yeah, several people uh, that I know have removed themselves completely from social media because of that documentary. So, yeah, I have a hard time removing myself from Instagram because when you talk about design, man, there's so much inspiration on there. Yeah. And people right, are yeah, doing so much cool stuff. Yeah. I just don't know that I could take myself out of that particular. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, uh, that's my, that's my, my go to app um, just because I'm, I'm, again, just a visual person. So I'm always going to try to look at whatever the prettiest picture is, uh, to, to learn more, to get inspired to, you know, what, whatever the case is. I hate social media personally. So it's, I deleted all my social media before I started working at Toby, but, um, they told me that I had to work on social media projects. <laughs> so I have to have it now. <laughs> so yeah, it's just part of the it. job. It's a necessary <laughs> evil. Yeah. Unfortunately. It is. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, we, we have to be, we have to know what's, uh, what's on the cutting edge, right? Yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. We have to, and that, that's actually an interesting point. So when you're strategizing early on in, in the beginning, are you already thinking about where does the content live? How should it be? Because one thing that we always preach to the clients is like, yeah, you can use your YouTube video on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever, but the same person may be looking at it on YouTube and LinkedIn, but they're not the same person when they are looking at it, right? They're a different mindset, completely different thought process. They're going there for a different reason. So how, how do you guys think about um, content socially when you're in the beginning? Well, I mean, in the very beginning, I try not to be that tactical with it. Um, again, it's, like like it's more about the overarching yeah. you know, brand and that story. But, you know, obviously, as you're starting to think through creative, uh, you have to be thinking about that. Is it going to work across all the different mediums, right? Um, so 
it, it all, I guess, just depends on what the, what the media mix is going to be, you know, as we're working through that. Um, but, you know, for me, it, it is kind of funny though, too, because even let's say that we're pitching a new client or, or a prospect, um, I like to, I like to be able to, if I can, you know, kick out some, some ideas for them that they might not have thought about that is, let's say social focused or something like that. That's like a, a different way of, of teasing out their content. Mm -hmm. So I guess you do have to be thinking about it from the beginning now that I mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's that necessary evil where you got to think about the campaign and like, okay, well, we got this campaign, but what's actually going to go in it? Exactly right. You're yeah. right. Well, yeah. In, in that sense, like as a creative director, how do you handle that ROI question, right? The ROAS, like as an agency, it's a necessary evil, right? Yeah. Like when the client needs to know, or most of the time they want to know, right what is this going to get me? Right. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Boy, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? And <laughs> we're always being asked that. And I mean, we try in our case studies to show, to show what that ROI value was. Um, sometimes you can, sometimes you, you, you can't, I mean, sometimes it's qualitative, sometimes it's quantitative, right? Sure. You know, the best that we can do is try to show examples that, that, that show clicks or that show, you know, form fills or whatever the, whatever the, <laughs> the drive needs to be. Um, but from a strictly creative standpoint, I try to come at it from the, from the idea of, you know, if, if we are able to engage the audience and get them to pause for two seconds in their scrolling or whatever it is, or turning or driving or whatever, and think about the brand, that's a win right there. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? We do that through engaging graphics and design and, and amazing headlines and copy, right? And so that's what also constantly drives me to be better. Always try to be better for our clients because if we're just, you know, pardon my, my French here, if we're just pooping out copy, well, then we've failed, right? It, it, and we're not doing a service to them or to us. In our case, I know that, and that, uh, not to like regurgitate more, but jumping back into like the podcast realm, there's no better format to get in somebody's ear for 15 or 20 minutes than a piece of audio, right? So um, that's that's the power. You know, the thing about the podcast thing, going back, you know, continuing with that, is that you can create it, just like a website, you can create it, but then how do you get people there? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great question. So we usually use, um, YouTube is a pretty big, way to get because of the search volume. So that's why we're, we lean on why video is important to have with your podcast. Um, it's hard enough to get ranked in Google. We all know, you know, SEO is just like a nightmare these days. Um, but if you can at least put yourself in the second largest search engine, which is now YouTube, um, the chances of discovery become a lot, a lot higher. Uh, and you know, if it's a two minute snippet of that video and you can grab their two seconds of attention for them to then click over to the rest of the podcast, you know, that's, that's obviously a win. Um, so that's, that's one way that we, we, we try to approach it. I'm, I'm in a new role here, um, as a business development manager. So that's a fancy way of saying sales, right. And sales and partnerships. Yeah. And, um, I, I have to go out and, and pitch these products like a podcast. And Jared is the creative guy pulling me this direction. And then like, I don't know if you can see in the camera for the listeners, like <laughs> I'm pointing behind me, but our CEO, Andrew, the marketing guy sits back there. So he's always asking me the questions that he has to answer yeah. for the client. So, um, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'll share it. <laughs> you have to live in both worlds, ho. That's the exactly. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I often have to live in both worlds as, as well. One of my favorite parts of the job of being a creative director is, is, 
you know, the creative is awesome, but then it's also the ability to really interact and engage with our clients on a more personal level on a more, right? Like if you're, if you're a, a, a designer kind of just starting out, you're probably not going to be doing that as much. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts as well, because I love getting to know their story and what, okay, now what is the best, you know, how can we think about this so that everybody loves your story? That's the thing I love the most um, is just getting to know them and how they got to today. How did you get to today? What did it lead up to? Um, and how, how can we help you tell the world like how great you are? for this, you know, for whatever reason. So yeah, I agree. I love talking to the clients as well and getting to know them. Yeah. I mean, you really form those, those long lasting bonds and relationships even outside of business, which I think is excellent. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a passion for us, obviously it's, it's work. Yes, but it's passion. But at the end of the day, I also want to know about people, right. And they're not just clients. And so I, I do, I think that that's great. And I've, I've kept, uh, in contact with a lot of our, uh, not even just a cone, but even going way back, uh, clients who, you know, have moved on for whatever reason, you know, because, because you do, you form that, that kind of personal bond. And for a long time there at, at, at our agency, there were kind of walls that were put up like, no, you don't talk to the creative. You talk to the account person. <laughs> I get it. I get it because the account person needs to know what those conversations are sure. and where things are headed. And a lot of times if the client can just go straight to the creative director, then you know, they want to circumvent yeah. all that. But at the same time, I kind of like the idea of, of being able to be a point person, of being able to interact directly, you know, on a, on a daily. So, Okay. One last question. What trends are you seeing right now that you're just like, we need to hitch our wagon to this and figure out either how we can do something similar to this or how do we build upon this? Yeah, absolutely, man. Great question. Um, you know, and, they, and it kind of dovetails with, you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot and been asked a lot too, like, well, how is, how is marketing changing these days? How is creative changing these days? Um, I mean, you know, in a nutshell, it's, it's not, we're still, we still have to do the same things we always did. Um, but what I'm finding and what we're seeing more, and it ties back to that uh, San Diego um, uh, tourism campaign, it's this idea of joy marketing. And this is what I feel like we really do uh, want to kind of hitch our, our, our wagon to because right now we all need a good do- dose of joy and happiness in our lives. Um, you know, when it, when it seems like the world is, is just going to hell, it's nice to know that there are some, some good stories to be told out there. Like, you know, uh, what is it, John Krasinski's um, good news update? Mm-hmm. You know, I started watching that at the very beginning and it was like, holy crap, this guy is onto something here. And, and I feel like, I feel like audiences want to engage with, with brands that are truthful, right? It it has to be truthful to the brand and it has to have that context to it, obviously. But how do we spin it from a much more positive angle? How do we bring moments of, of joy and just a smile to people's day? It doesn't have to be something that's going to be earth shattering, but just just enough to bring a smile to them. Right. And yeah. so to me, I think that there are some brands that are doing that really well right now. You look at, uh, you know, some of the candy companies, what they're doing for Halloween. Uh, there's a guy in New York that I follow, um, Jason Naylor. He's doing just great work. It's, it's vibrant. It's, it's most mostly mural work, big, vibrant, beautiful pieces with messages of love and joy uh, for all kinds of different brands. And I'm like, man, 
I want to do that. I want to help make a difference in people's lives. Mm. Frankly, uh, I've been doing this long enough that what gets me most excited and most interested is making a positive change in the world, right? Like, I don't just want to work for, I don't just want to work for any, any brand. I want to work for a brand that's, that's actually making a difference. And I feel like our clients do, especially, you know, like I say, in the healthcare industry, mm -hmm. um, we work for this amazing brand way to go. They're part of, uh, uh our local smart commuting solutions. Uh, they're, they're a governmental, uh, entity. And by being able to get people out of their cars, by being able to get people to drive or, or I'm, I'm sorry, to bike or walk or well, telework, that's an easy one. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it reduces pollution. It, it reduces stress. It, it helps your brain out. Like these are the kinds of things that, that I want to be doing and that I think will be more on the forefront as we move forward. Spoken like a true, true, uh, Denverite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. I know. I mean, after this, shoot, it's like, let's see, it's like 60 degrees out there right now. I'm ready to yep. take a bike right after this, you know? Yeah. And I see uh, you climb 14ers uh, behind you. That was actually our first one. Uh, okay. And we did that in October. Um, it's crazy because I'm, I'm actually a Colorado native and, you know, people are like, well, you're never going to 14. I'm like, I never really cared much. Yeah. <laughs> but once we did it, it was like, holy shit, I got to do more of these now because it really yeah. is. It's exhilarating. You're standing there on top of the world. I'm, I'm from Colorado, too. And um, right on. I, yeah, I don't go snowboarding. So <laughs> it's like it's like it's a thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Chris, where can everybody find you and Cone Marketing? Yeah, um, well, that's easy. Conemarketing.com um, is a good place to start. Uh, we've, uh, I think we've built up a pretty good, uh, pretty good presence online there. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Chris Thomas. Um, I'm on Instagram at Derf, D E R F Thomas. Don't ask why. Um, and <laughs> That's another the, podcast. Those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are kind of the main, uh, the main places for me. Thanks so much for your time today, Chris. Uh, this was an awesome conversation. It was cool to, to get a little insight on yourself and cone marketing and all the great stuff that you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Man, thank you so much. And I really appreciate what you guys over at Toby are doing. And uh, thanks so much for the time. And I uh, appreciate you letting me uh, spin, some, spin some tales for a little bit. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks to Chris for being our guest. And thanks to our production team who put this together. Don't forget to check out all the latest podcasts on the Toby Agency Podcast Network. All you need to do is head over to tobyagency.co forward slash podcast. And if you like this episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. We'll see you on the next one.